Racer fans, welcome back. Episode 41 of the Racer Nation podcast. We want to welcome you in. My name's Austin Blakely, joined as always by Sawyer Lawson and Logan Foster uh, to grace your uh, grace the airwaves this evening with uh, talking a little bit about some racer basketball. And, you know, typically you're used to Sawyer kicking off the intro. We've got the intro music and then we come into it. But we felt like we need to shake it up a little bit this episode. You know, somebody's got to shake it up, change something up to get these racers turned around. And we thought this might be the first thing that that could possibly do it. And the last week of racer basketball has been, quite honestly, the good, the bad, and the ugly in that in that order. We got the good with Bradley, the bad with Drake, and then the ugly with Northern Iowa. And uh, we're here to break it all down, talk about the woes, talk about the good things, and then... Look forward to what could be a really great week in racer basketball next week. So we've got all that. Buckle in because we have a lot to talk about. Sawyer, uh, we we had a great weekend. Well, kind of great weekend uh, down in Mississippi uh, in Logan celebrating the podfather Dan's birthday. And, uh, you know, the racers were not the only losers this weekend, were they? Yeah, Austin, I, we could get into that, but um, honestly, it would just probably make everyone sick. It made me sick while I was down there, so I, I think we should probably just stay away from that. Logan, do you have anything you want to touch on about the weekend? Yeah, I'm trying to be a little bit more positive, and that's not going to come through really in this episode, but uh, we all made it back healthy, um, or two of us did. Uh, one was a little sick, but it was honestly the the weekend from hell honestly we show up and don't win too many uh too many bets the racers don't cover um a blackjack dealer is really mean to sawyer uh we kind of tuck our tails and walk out of the casino losers um and you know i thought uh saturday night going down the escalator with you two guys we're the three biggest losers in this place. And then as we're walking out, some guy says, let's go pee. Cause we're all wearing Murray state gear. And I thought, well, thank God we're not him. He's definitely the biggest loser in this place. And so, uh, thought Sunday was going to be a little bit better. First slate of NFL games didn't go that well. And then we, we thought we'd go watch job play Sunday night. And as we are on the steps of the FedEx Forum, about 30 seconds from walking in the building, uh, Sawyer says uh, it's just been reported that Jaws sitting out tonight. So just really capped off the weekend. Um, but at least we know next trip's going to be better. Well, Logan, it, great recap. It can only go up for here for us, and hopefully it can only go up for here from the racers. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week in racer basketball is uh, you know, we can go through and do our game-by-game game breakdown like we normally do, but holy cow, three games. We've got to talk about two that's going to happen next week and a special Saturday. Let's not do that. Let's maybe run with some themes. And, you know, as we talk about some different things, we can then, you know, oh, this happened in the Bradley game. This happened in, in the Drake game. And I think it's going to be easy for Racer fans to forget what happened in the Bradley game, right? Big win at the bank. Bradley comes in as one of the better teams, I think, uh, according to like the net and all that stuff, all the uh, computer rankings, Bradley was the best team in the Missouri Valley. Uh, one of our only top 100 teams in the racers just take care of business, 67 to 58. We're thinking, okay, we've got some momentum built, head up for our first Iowa trip, and then just come out flat on our feet, take lose to Drake, 
And then finally, last night, as we're recording this on Wednesday, lose a really, really tough game in Northern Iowa, 67-75. to 75. And just, I don't know, maybe the, North, maybe the Iowa trip, guys, is the new Death Valley as we knew it in the OVC. But, boys, as we found out this weekend, this ain't the OVC anymore. Yeah, Austin, it's not. And, and, and every night in and night out, especially when you go on the road, uh, you, you can't just mail it in. And, and that's that's going to be the case no matter what. Now, I want to I want to start here by saying that I'm going to double down and, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe we'll have some more dissension in the podcast. But these teams aren't great that we're losing to. I mean, Drake has a couple of good pieces. Northern Iowa is middle of the pack. I was talking to somebody earlier today and I thought, man. That 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 Moorhead team that that won the championship uh, two years ago was is way better than any of these teams we're playing right now and and uh, we haven't seen any in the state yet but uh, maybe SIU is right there with them but I mean the 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 Missouri Valley folks that are kind of jumping down the racers' throat that I've seen online they're they're trying to say that you know we don't belong and things like that and I just don't buy that it is tough in this league um, especially just to travel. We have to get used to that, but but we're still, you know, trying to establish the culture um, for Coach Prome. Um, but you know, there's a lot of underlying things that that uh, this weekend, this road trip, um, can't really really put under a microscope um, of reasons that, that the racers are struggling. And and like you said, Austin, if you can if you go on the road in this conference and you don't bring it at 100% for 40 minutes, you're not going to come out with any wins. I don't think you're going to find much dissension here, Sawyer. That That's the one thing my wife, I asked her before we got on, I said, what do you want me to mention on the podcast tonight? She was like, the most frustrating thing for me is we should be winning these basketball games. We're not playing great teams or even maybe good teams at that point. So you're right there with, with Mrs. Blakely on that one, Sawyer. Um, so I had to get that in there. But, uh, you know, I even think back to last year's team, uh, shoot, maybe even the year before when we were not good at all. These are these are games we should have won by 10-plus points. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a, a kind of an idea on, on why, and we'll get into that a little bit later maybe. But uh, Logan, the racers, uh, just – I don't know if it's can't put it together for 40 minutes, but there's six or seven minutes you just can't – not score the basketball and give up an 18 to 0 run two games in a row on the road. Yeah. You know, we've, uh, we talked about lumping all these games together and I've kind of bit my tongue here recently. Um, but I'm ready to open up and you guys have the final cut on all of this and have probably saved me more than, uh, a handful of times from saying something really stupid and it going out to everybody on this podcast. Um, so you guys can cut this if you want. I asked you earlier today if I could just have five minutes to just be unapologetically authentic. And uh, the more I got to thinking about it, it's probably going to be like 10 minutes. And so uh, cut it if you want. Um, the listeners are probably going to try and skip through it. Uh, but I just got to get this off my chest and I'm going to say it to you guys and let it be. So. So we started this as a fan podcast, and we haven't really mentioned it a whole lot, but we've had the opportunity to associate with the university and actually some really respectable companies in Murray that I never would have thought would want anything to do with us. 
and uh it we're honestly honored to uh be thought of that way and and appreciate it but we've declined all of those offers just because we don't well mainly for me don't want me saying anything that reflects badly on someone else and so uh that's just part of it is us staying independent has given us the opportunity for us to speak our mind and we're a fan podcast and i think we represent the fans and so i i think i'm going to say some stuff here in a second that um you know the fans don't really have much of a, a platform to say so with that being said uh my thoughts on the racers i want to start at the top everything starts with the head coach um Everyone can agree that he was handed a really tough situation. No one's going to disagree with that statement. Um, Coach McMahon takes our three best players that are returning from last year, not counting Tevin Brown because he wanted to go play professionally and uh, can't blame him there. But the three that returned to college go with Coach McMahon and he takes one of our uh, recruits with him. And so the cupboard was really bare to start the season. Um, and to be quite honest, if I, I personally personally believe that if Juice Hill stays, we're not even having this conversation right now because we don't have a point guard and we don't really have a leader. And so I think he would have filled both of those roles and all of these close games that we're losing, I think we would win. And I think we would be a top Missouri Valley team, and I think he would be a top mid-major point guard in all of the country. Um, but that's that's gone, and so um, we have to work with what we've got. And the thing is, it's frustrating because we don't have bad players like we just talked about. These teams we're playing aren't special. Um, they're beatable teams. Last night was a game we should not have lost at all. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing to me, and I'm not one to go back and watch games, but I definitely couldn't go back and watch that one because it would just, you know, make me furious. But um, anyways, we've said for about a month now that, uh, you know, when are we going to start holding the team accountable? And I think we've said, you know, after the first semester or maybe by Christmas we will. Well, things aren't getting any better. And so I, I feel the need to, to talk about this. If, if you look back at December, it, it was just a bad month for racer basketball. We barely beat Chicago State at home, and they weren't that bad. But that's a team that you have to beat by double digits at home. We play Austin P really close at home. Um, the Middle Tennessee State game, I can't remember us in history – as long as I've been watching Murray State games play that bad, even the Freed Hardman game that we lost, at least we could get the ball up the court. We couldn't even do that against Middle Tennessee State, and I thought they were horrible. Uh, just being quite honest, their best player is a six-six big guy from Eastern Kentucky. Like, why are we losing by double digits and not able to break a press against Middle Tennessee State? And then you know we go into January and. Things look okay at first because we beat Evansville on the road, but, I mean, beating up on Little Sisters of the Poor, it's the worst team in the conference probably, and they couldn't hit a bucket for the first six or seven minutes of the game. And so 
the fact that we won by 15 or whatever it was, you know, I, I don't really care about that. It doesn't mean much to me that win. Bradley game was, was a little better. I'm proud of how we played, but here recently it just looks like the same old racers. And so, all right, let's go back to the start of the season. I'm going to take a round trip here. I'm not sure that uh, the Myrtle Beach tournament was all that great for us. I think it was good to beat Texas A&M just to prove to our guys the capability of the team that we can actually do this. Um, But I think us playing really well forced our coaching staff to shorten the rotation and say, okay, here's our guys. And um, I think that has given one, our starters a longer leash than they probably deserve. And our bench guys like Braxton and Jackson and Sam Murray, um, not enough experience to where we can't put them in the game because they haven't had exposure to it. And so if the buck stops at our starters, it's like, well, we're going to put some freshmen in that hardly have played yet. And so I think that's kind of where we have failed a little bit um, in the non-conference. But talking about the players, um, you know, on defense, we'll start at the defensive end. We've seen our guys get backdoored, um, guards more specifically. The big guys, uh, we've just been getting absolutely taken to the woodshed by some of the big, good big players that we've played. Um, the stat lines they've had have been really good so far outside of the, uh, what's his name? Big Stinky for Bradley. Rank, rank Mast, yes. DJ played well on him that game and um, got him in foul trouble. But outside of that, we really just have gotten beat up down low. Um, we look last night at the game. We give up an offensive rebound on a free throw in a key moment at the end of the game. Like, that just can't happen. And I think the thing on defense that bothers me the most is the fact that I don't have stats to back this up, um, but it seems like we lose every 50-50 ball. And that's just effort. That is playing hard and wanting to out, outplay your opponent. Um And that's okay to do that in the Ohio Valley. Like we can get by with doing that playing Edwardsville and Eastern Illinois um, because truthfully, this team at the end of the season, we'd have the biggest crowd in Evansville and we'd somehow find a way to to pull it out and win. Um, But that's, it takes a lot more than that in the Missouri Valley. And and we're seeing that. Um, And so I think we're just missing that intensity and, and we've shown it this year if you look back to the Tulsa game, when I think of intensity, I think of DJ Burns owning the paint, owning the glass. He almost had more rebounds than Tulsa. He had 15, and it was never in question. He controlled the paint. I, I think back to the uh, Austin P game, really tight game at the end, Quincy Anderson. And it wasn't just on offense. Yeah, he, he kind of helped us out from on the offensive end and hit a big shot at the end, but he we had three minutes left at the end of that game and it was anybody's ball game. And Carlos Paez was having the game of his life. And he just said, I'm going to make the next three minutes a living hell for him. And he did at the end of the game, coach Prome said he was 
you know, pumping up DJ for defending Elijah Hutchins effort in the last three minutes. And I, I don't necessarily agree. He had 17 points and 11 rebounds. I don't think we necessarily controlled him. I think it was that Quincy was in Carlos Pies's ass so much so that he couldn't even face the basket to throw an entry pass. Because if he turned around, Quincy was stealing the ball and getting a pick six and game was over. So that's the kind of intensity that I'm talking about. And, you know, every three minutes, it seems like DJ is pumping his arms up, telling the crowd to get up off its feet or off its butt. Um, But maybe if we have more plays like that, more intensity, that gives us a reason to get up and you don't have to do that. And so just a little bit of just more effort, um, especially on the defensive end would just, I I think us – coming out and making a point to play harder than the guy across from you, each player, uh, beating them to 50-50 balls, you know, being tough. We haven't seen a bunch of fouls called. I mean, be physical with these guys. They they don't like it, and, and it's going to help you win basketball games. Um, that's enough for defense. Goodness gracious, I'm getting worked up. All right, so let's go to offense. I I've made a point many times that I hate us walking the ball up the court and we've done it a lot, but we're actually getting better at it. And maybe it's that teams haven't been pressing us here in the last few games, but we've been getting the ball up in the first five, six seconds of the shot clock, but we're not doing anything with it. We get across half court and prone does the little finger twirl. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that's just, that's just give Rob Perry the ball and hope to God he makes a shot or makes a play. Because we don't have, we don't really do much on offense. And that's not a winning game plan because every game, two or three of our starters just don't even show up. I mean, they, you look at the stat column and it looks like they got hurt or were in foul trouble because these guys played 30 something minutes but um, had four points and two rebounds hardly scored and, and really didn't do anything to impact the game. Um, so I don't know what the, the finger twirl means, but I just know it, it's not really working. And, um, you know, you think back to last year, I, we tried to run this set multiple times and I watched uh, LSU play Kentucky the other night. They still run it. We watched KJ Williams get a back screen set for him. And every game it was there. You could count on it, maybe even multiple times a game, getting him an open shot on the low block. We try it this year. Jamari, he can't even get the ball thrown into him. And, you know, it's partially our screens that we set. We screen a spot on the floor. We don't screen the man, which is a no-no. The guy running off the screen doesn't run his man off the screen. Um we don't cut with speed. We don't run our sets with a purpose. And it just seems like we're going through the motions on offense. And so at this point, if somebody's not willing to work hard on both sides of the court, play somebody that is. Uh, and my thing is, I think, obviously, I think we should have been playing more than seven or eight guys uh, long before now. But if Braxton gets in the game, if we need a spark and, and we're down big, need somebody to come in. If Braxton gets in, Jackson, Sam Murray, 
if they make a mistake, don't yank them back out. Let them learn from their mistake and and get kind of comfortable in playing because what I've seen so far is if a freshman gets in and does something wrong, their leash is so short they just get yanked. And I don't see what's what's wrong with you know letting them play and learn rather than letting these the same guys make the same mistakes over and over again. But I and I don't know if it's Coach Prome uh, that needs to do this. I assume he's already chewed the team out plenty of times. I don't know if it's Rob that needs to step up in the locker room or Jamari or who it needs to be, but somebody needs to make it clear that this stops now. Like we've got two weeks or two months left in the season. Somebody has to step up and say, we're not, we're not going through the motions anymore. And the come to Jesus meeting should have happened a while ago. It's long overdue. Um, but that's just the culture at Murray State. We don't accept that. Like we expect to win. We demand winning. That's why we're pissed off right now, and all the fans are just tired of watching us play. And so I think it's time for the guys to take some pride in putting on that Murray State jersey and going out there and playing, um, playing for the racers. Because honestly, they're not just playing for us or the university. They're playing for themselves. All these games are televised. Like. If you're trying to play at the next level or have aspirations of playing basketball um, somewhere else, whatever, they're watching these games. Uh, so, I mean, you got to go out there and, and actually play hard. But I, I'm rambling at this point. But anyways, I, I guess my point is that I'm just begging these guys to play hard and play for each other. And you know, go out there and, and don't leave nothing on the court because the truth is if you play harder than the other guys uh, that are across from you, it doesn't matter if your shot's not falling all the time. You're probably going to at least be there at the end of the game. And so um, that ends in, you know, more racer basketball and more wins in the win column. So that's about all I got. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to take a drink of water. Um, and I don't know if you guys want to cut this or whatever, but um, – or where you want to take it from here, but that's, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Austin, let's, let's, let's you and me talk just for a minute while Logan takes a break. Um, you know, for, first off, we are a fan podcast. I'm glad that you started it that way. And I think maybe a, a collective Twitter space or something needs to happen in the future, because I think every, every thought that you just mentioned is being echoed through Racer Nation, and it's finally someone's finally said it. And we're the only media outlet that – or not a media outlet, but we're the only space where that conversation goes on. So I think you did fantastic. You you articulated every thought in, in a very coherent way. There's not going to be anything cut out of that, Austin. Uh, is there? No, no, not one thing. I That's thought, it. yeah, to, to echo Sawyer, you know, articulated very well. For the folks listening at home, and Logan, he came with notes, and I knew it was serious business then. But you hit on so many, so many points. It's hard to digest digest it all to comment on them. But I think right. there's some definitely some some high notes that I will agree with around. You know, talk about setting screens, and and I watch watch these guys. Like you said, they screen a spot, they go through a motion. I've seen a guy go up and uh, and act like he's setting a screen, and then the player just runs right by him. It's like, well, it's, move two feet to the so right. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so easy for the defense to defend. Yeah, and and I think what's so 
one thing that we talked about Sunday night at the Grizzlies game and, and what we really saw last night in the U and I game is we play like we have concrete in our shoes, right? We're so stagnant on offense while one person is dribbling everybody else. The other four is just standing and not moving at all. Right. And that's one thing we saw uh, you and I, the Bowen kid do really well, move without the ball. They were all moving without the ball. They get really easy baskets, but when you're not setting those good screens, when you even are moving off the ball, you're not getting open because the screens aren't being set to, to get you open. And and I, all three of us talked about this at, at the Grizzlies game, and it is the NBA, right? So a, a lot higher level of basketball than uh, 200th rated Murray State in, in the uh, NCAA. But, man, as soon as they catch the basketball, the ball's on the floor and they're moving they're uh, on the ball, right? At Logan, we you're the one that mentioned this, I think. Uh, they catch the ball, the ball's dribbling, and they're moving the offense. Sorry, or maybe you mentioned it. You watch a lot more Grizzlies games than the rest of us, right? But, like, I think I commented to you guys is they get so many open shots in the NBA, and it's not because they're just standing there waiting for the ball to find them. They make their shot. They find, they find the open spots on the floor, and – Maybe that's what the finger twirl is, and we're not executing it. But, uh, Sawyer, we, we've got to do so much more to make it easy for us. We make this offense, we, we're making this game very, very difficult. And you can tell, especially when you have nine assists and 12 turnovers. Absolutely. I, I'm watching the Grizzlies game right now. And, and you know, whenever we went to go and, and watch it in person, there is never a moment where anyone on the offensive end of the floor is standing still. Um, like you said, the, the ball immediately, once it gets traded hands is, is it's, you're making a pass to make a pass to make a pass until someone, like you said, is wide open and it doesn't stop there. No one is standing still because everyone's going after a rebound. They're positioning themselves or they're, they're, they're things. And, and Austin, I know, and I know that I was going to make that same point and I know people would be hard on us about, about this cause it's the NBA, but that requires no skill. It doesn't require any skill to move without the basketball. Uh, one of the favorite things I love to do is go back and watch like Steph Curry moving without the basketball highlights. It is remarkable how wide open he gets because he moves without the basketball. And everyone else on the Warriors is doing the same. If you haven't done it, it's like watching, it's like watching uh, like a like a play or like synchronized swimming or something. It's crazy. I was like an artistic form of of how how he's got it down. And but that requires no no basketball skill. Is it? it these are wide open shots we're talking about that they go in or not. It doesn't even matter. It's just the fact that they're wide open. We never have that this year. Uh, I think in the UNI game, we did have some buckets around the basket that were wide open, that were executed, you know, pretty well. So I do want to give credit there, but when, when you do move without the basketball, you can hit shots that require no skill around the basket. Uh, and, and that's something I want to touch on too, is that if we want to be the type of team that we know we can be, it's not an option. They have to find another gear. It's just it's just plain and simple. Uh, the fact of, of, of just the way that things are going, Logan, like you said, the come to Jesus talk. I'm a big proponent of all those in any walk of life, um, but especially with this basketball team. Um, and and that it's got to happen now because often you, you, you set me up for a point, but but I have going off on a tangent here. But the bottom line is right now our backs are against the wall. And we've gotten knocked down to the mat in, in this uh, this this wrestling match of a season that we've been through. I mean, we're eight and nine, so you can call it that. And if you're the ultimate competitor, this is the ultimate challenge. So, you know, how do we respond? Do we embrace the challenge of being back into the corner with the only option of being fighting our way out, or we just treat it like another night 
of playing basketball. You know, there are only 13 more opportunities left on the schedule for these guys to put on a racer jersey. That's it. 17 down, 13 to go. But the best part of it is there are 13 to go. Um, so that should hopefully be an inspiration to kickstart a new gear for this team. But if we don't see it now, and I'm talking about the, over the next week, and I say this being a thousand percent behind this team, every guy on the roster, every coach, and I say it, you know, in agreement probably with every fan, is that I'm starting to wonder if it ever will. And it really hurts to say that. But I, I'm a big proponent. I know the last five games of the season, in my opinion, can really give us a springboard to head into March uh, and into the Missouri Valley Conference on a really high note. I believe that because these games are, are pretty easy. I think we can get it right and get hot at the right time. But but I'm afraid that might be too little too late. And we've got to start seeing that growth, you know, right now. You're, you're exactly right. We've got to see it now because we've got – two of our potentially easier games coming up in this next week with UIC, which they're no cupcake, but they struggle on the road. And then, and then Belmont, which uh, they're good. I mean, they're okay. They're not Belmont of, of late, kind of like, kind of like us. Right. But then you go Indiana state, number one team in the Valley, Southern Illinois, which just beat Indiana state tonight, another top two, three team in the Valley, Missouri State, who can be like the best team in the nation some nights and then be really, really bad some nights. Then Belmont again, then Indiana State again, then Drake again. So it's like, okay, here's the meat of your schedule, right? But uh, a couple points I was going to make, Sawyer, and I'm, I'm going to steal this one from you because you kind of uh, floated it the other day or today or whenever it was. But, you know, Logan, everything, every point you made uh, is like, that's not racer basketball. I know we always make the joke or we kind of, Hey, that's racer basketball right there. But like as lightly as we say it, we are just as much serious about it as like, we have a brand of basketball that, you know, we recruit players to uphold it. And coach Prohm's talked a lot this year about like, this is the, I, I hate to use the word rebuild because we should never talk rebuild here, but this is the basis for the foundation of, Murray State going forward. This is the culture that's going to be set. This is going to be the the, the foundation, right? And and uh, the Bible talks about having a great foundation, and that's just like Sawyer, all walks of life. You got to have that strong foundation built out of stone, right? And right now we're nine and eight, and and we've we've lost four out of our last six, and we're giving up offensive rebounds, and it's like, is that really the foundation we want to build our program on going forward, right? And I think that. Uh, and they could come out next week and win the next 13 games and prove us all wrong, but something's drastically going to have to change. But I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to challenge the, the, the coaching staff, the team, the fan base, everybody, like it's all on, it's on, on all, it's on all of us to like, this is not acceptable. And we've got to build that a lot stronger. So in two years when we've got more stability within the program and we're challenging for that Valley title, we're doing it the right way. We're doing it the Murray state way. Right. The other point I was going to make that I alluded to earlier and Logan, you kind of touched on it is coach pro coach McMahon. And they come from the same coaching tree. Right. And, and a lot of the same offensive tendencies and, and what is, what does it take? Right. It takes a elite to semi great point guard to run these offenses effectively. There's a reason Murray State has become point guard you as as we like to say and it's 
it's partly because of Murray State, but it's partly because of the offensive that offenses that have been run at Murray State that shines that that lets the point guard shine. And this is no knock on who's running the point at all, but it is it's it, they're not natural point guards, right? And this this makes me think back to the year after uh, Jaw left, right? Who was our point guard that year? Daquan Smith, right? Daquan was not a point guard. Tevin had to run the point some, and we really, really struggled. Uh, I, I think we st- we got beat in the OVC championship game, but it was not a typical year, right? Uh, but that was the OVC. Two years ago, we don't have a great point guard. Juice is really struggling, and he's, he made the strides, right, which hopefully what we can see from this year to next year. But we go 500 because we don't have a – great point guard and and after you know that it's just uh after cam before uh jaw came in the year that we were that we had the losing record there was a gap there and we did not have a great point guard uh, or a point guard bryce jones right great not not a murray state favorite point guard right so i think there is similarities of why we're struggling on offense. That's no excuse to give up 70-something points to Northern Iowa or 80-something points to Drake, right? But I think that can equate to our offensive struggles a little bit, what we've been seeing. And I I don't know if any – maybe we're the first ones – maybe everybody's thinking it and we're the first ones to say it, but um, I I really think that's what what we can attribute a lot of our struggles to, unfortunately. And we were able to get away with it in the OVC, but – you can't be up nine points and, and on the road and 88% chance to win, according to uh, ESPN, with seven whatever minutes to go when we go up nine. And that's just not not going to fly. And, you know, I, I'm talking about Murray State pass with McMahon and, and, and even Coach Prome 1.0. But even when he was at Iowa State, you know, he still had great point guards there uh, and led them to two Big 12 championships. So, I guess that's what's kind of kind of surprising is, you know, historically, Sawyer, we haven't seen Steve Prome offensives struggle this much. Yeah, you're right, Austin. And, and, and part of that is because, you know, we've had two All-American point guards um, under his watch. But but still, I, I wanted to pose this question to you guys. So I, I, I get a little nerdy looking at the numbers sometimes. I don't like to overload anybody with them, but this is pretty clear. And I thought it was very interesting. In, in my opinion, I'm gonna. I want to ask you guys. I want to hear both of your answers. I feel like if we're playing the Murray State Racer brand of basketball, it should not be hard for us to score 70 points a game. Can you guys agree? In modern basketball, I, I want to hear you, your thoughts. You know, like, do you think every night in and night out we should be able to score 70 points a game? Yes, yes. 70 points gives you a great chance of winning. Um. I think with how slow we play and waiting till the last few seconds of the shot clock, it definitely lends towards us playing in the 60s. Um, But with how bad we've shot the ball and how bad our offense has looked, I think a few tweaks would easily put us in the 70s. And I think that's where, you know, you look back at um, teams we've had success with here in the past and it's been upper 70s. And points, so yeah, I I agree, Sawyer. There's no no reason why um, we shouldn't be in the 70s. 
Yeah, I, I cut the NCAA in half, and um, the the exact half is one eighty one and a half. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But one seven, but more than half of NCAA tournament te- or NCAA teams are averaging over seventy points a game. We're averaging um, right now, based on the graphic that I saw, sixty nine points a game. But historically, in Coach Prom's tenure as coach for the Racers, the Racers are eighty nine and eight. Uh, which is good for 92% win win percentage when we score 70 points. I'm not talking about 80 points. I'm not talking about 75. I'm just talking about 70 points. Um, I, I, I almost backed, backed it down to 67 just to look at the numbers as well, but he's lost eight games. That includes that – includes, Does that include this year? Yes, that includes this year. Wow. Yeah. And, and 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 if we score 70 points, we lost to UMass 69-71, Chattanooga 66-69, SIU 57-63, and Bellarmine 58-69. If we score 70 points in those games, we use, lose to UMass by one, but everything else considered, we're, we're 12-5. And, and it, it changes the whole course of the season. I mean, um, in... In those 89 games, that's 89 of Coach Prohm's 113 wins. So that's 79% of, of the wins we've had have been when we've scored over 70 points. And, and in modern college basketball, I just don't see – it's just – we've got to – I know it's it's an ambiguous number. It's the number 70. But it's just in modern college basketball, we're seeing so many – points being scored you know the Grizzlies scored 74 points in the first half tonight in the NBA it's the first half uh, it, it's it's just so tough for me to see these numbers and say man this is pretty clear this is where you need to get to be you're going to have a you know 92 percent chance to win the game we've only lost eight games when we've scored 70 points or more uh, in, in a game over Coach Prom's five years and and I know we've had some good teams and, and you know we've played some not so great teams but the math speaks for itself we've also We've also beaten some really good teams. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, it, it showcases that, you know, starts to games are incredibly important. I, I ran the numbers a few weeks back. How many times have we just scored, you know, two possessions within the first six minutes of the game? That's been real. Um, and, and it's just so so frustrating. I went back and ran the numbers over the past, since Coach Prom's first year here, uh, and we never averaged less than 73 points a game. Um, and, and in those early years, basketball was played a lot differently. Um, so it, it's just frustrating. And, and, and even when we had had a losing season, we scored, you know, 72 points a game. So uh, on average. So I thought that was really interesting and just spoke to the fact that we, we need to free things up. We've got to have some sort of change. We need to have more energy. We have to find new ways to score back at baskets. We've got to increase that because it, to me, it's it's very clear. Yeah, that's really eye-opening honestly I had no clue that that stat existed but um, it's kind of shocking that we have a, a 92% win percentage when we score over 70 points but um, Austin to one of your points earlier about coach Prome and, and his success in the past and you know it it has been partially because of great players obviously um, but he did win the uh, big 12 twice and I was watching Kansas last night, actually, and that place was rocking. And I thought Coach Prome is one of a handful of coaches that has went into Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Bill Self's tenure and beat him. So 
all of the fans that keep saying, oh, well, he's just figuring it out and um, he, he's still learning. It's not like he doesn't know how to coach basketball. He's coached at the highest level and coached great players and against really great coaches and really great teams. So um, I think, you know, we need to quit treating him like a child. He's been there before and, and had success at all levels. So um, the guy knows what he's doing. And listen, I'm thrilled that he's our coach. I really am. Even though um, some people are just ticked off because we're not playing well right now. I'm thrilled to have coach coach Prome, and I think we're going to be great. Um, the growing pains do suck. This sucks right now. Uh, but yeah, I think it's kind of naive to say, oh, well, you know, he's still learning. <laughs> so, like he, he's had a lot of experience in college basketball, but, um, back to your point on offense, Sawyer, I mentioned this to somebody last week and I'm not a big drinker. I'll drink socially, but watching our offense just makes me want to drink and I haven't dove into it yet. But uh, it's just so bad to watch. And so with that being said, I'd like to dive into our next sponsorship, Thoroughbred Spirits and Cellar Door of Murray, Kentucky. Man, so I talked to Brian Edwards, uh, a loyal listener at one of our games a couple weeks ago, and I said, if you set up a booth here, you'd be making a killing. And, you know, uh, maybe sometime in the future, but uh, unfortunately not now. So, you know, if, if you're struggling after watching the racers play and, and don't want to drive all the way down to 641, then uh, you can stop by Thoroughbred or Cellar Door and, and pay a visit to our guys and, uh, you know, maybe bring a couple shooters in the game. And that's kind of the motto of our season, a couple shooters. Um, that's about it. And so. Always remember to enjoy responsibly, right? We have to add that tag on there. Yeah, if you get done at the game and Don Soul's closed, and, and I guarantee you, cellar door or thoroughbred will still be open to uh, to lift your spirits. Uh, is there a promo code potentially? Cheers, racers. Anything like that? Common no promo code. No promo code. I couldn't uh, negotiate that this time. Um, they're they're really tough and astute businessmen, and so uh, <laughs> just just want to give a shout out to our guys. All right, Logan, I, I like it. It's been a minute since we've had promotion on the episode, so thank you for bringing that back in. Um, I think we we need to bring back Logan's listener of the week as well. It's been a few weeks, and may, maybe maybe we're letting down the racers. We've kind of got off our our game a little bit, so. Uh, I'm not going to put the blame on us, but, you know, we're we're kind of off our game as well. So maybe we get back on track. It'll get the yeah. racers back on track. Yeah, I'll, I'll get yeah. the wheels turning by the end of the episode and I'll think All of right. somebody. But, All right. Uh, yeah, maybe we're the ones that are getting complacent. That's I, I haven't I haven't been diving after loose balls. That's for sure. But uh, talking about raising our spirits and celebrating with with our great sponsors. Let's talk about something happier. How about this Saturday? January the 14th at 3 p.m., University of Illinois, Chicago, coming to the bank for the first time, but more importantly, the day that number one is going to be hung from the Raptors, and that's going to be Mr. Campaign, Campaign Day. That's that's going to be really special, really, really special, and uh, also another nationally televised game on, on Valley Sports, so 
another uh, our Logan's got good friends at, at Bally, uh, not just the TV network, but also the uh, casino side, uh, specifically in Evansville. But uh, it, it's going to be a uh, it's just another another plus for the Missouri Valley. But uh, guys, we can let's, we can talk about UIC a little bit. Um, another newcomer to the Missouri Valley. I want to say it's a game we should win, no problem. But you know that's that's a tough statement to make now, as they literally just took Drake into overtime last night. Yeah, Alton, this is this is another example of another night that we have to bring it all, and everyone's got to bring their all. However, if we can do that, I think it's a prime uh, opportunity for us to really, uh, if if there's going to be a change. I think that it would be really great to see it here against UIC because if we can bring uh, the energy, then there's a great chance that, that their demeanor, um, their, their, the, the way they've played this year, they, they might have a similar uh, opportunity to, to fold under the pressure, much like a certain team who played you and I did the last time out. So, um, you know, UIC, they played great against Drake. I think that they're improving um, as you look around the conference, even maybe even that same team that played you and I last week. Uh, some teams aren't showing much of improvement. I think UIC is. They're one and six in the conference thus far, um, but uh, they they are improving. They're led by Jace Carter, who was uh, in their Horizon League, their previous conference, uh, on all freshman team member. Suit really really good score. He's out of Florida, but um, he's six foot five. He's averaging 15 points and six rebounds. Um, they've got another forward, um, Toby Akani, solid six eight. Uh, front court man transfer from Duquesne averaging almost 13 points and seven rebounds. It's going to be a handful, really interesting matchup um, for DJ there. They're, they're both kind of similar guys like to play with a lot of energy. Then you got a couple other guys that are just there. They're, 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 they're other starters that are really good contributors. They got a grad transfer. Who's their point guard, uh, Trey Anderson. He was at San Francisco, but then uh, more, more recently at Idaho, he's averaging 11 points and almost four assists a game. Some interesting interesting pieces about UIC uh, is that I'm looking at their 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 stats as a whole, and um, this is an opportunity where I think that that that, that our front court guys like DJ uh, can have a big game because out of 363 teams in the NCAA, uh, UIC is 348th in total rebounds. They don't rebound the ball very well at all. They're actually only top. 150 in one category and that's block shots but typically people who are trying to block shots are also fouling quite a bit so got to make sure we hit our free throws and and really they don't do a whole lot of anything else very good 303 in points per game 316th in field goal percentage free throw percentage 309th logan they're even worse than we are um turn the ball over quite a bit um have just barely uh, have a little bit of a negative assistive turnover ratio. So if there's going to be a chance for us to get back on track and play racer basketball, I think it can start this weekend. My, I know we haven't done the players of the game because I've really gone bad lately, so I'm not going to call it that. But I really think a guy that can 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 potentially get out of this shell and keep progressing is a guy we haven't talked about a lot, but that's Brian Moore. I think this is a great chance for him to come out, get a lot more minutes, he could be that missing piece to what maybe can turn this thing around. Logan, like you mentioned, a lot of our role players, guys off the bench, they went through a month of basketball where they didn't even play. And that's just kind of how I feel about Brian Moore. Over the last two games, when he's been in the game, he's really changed the pace offensively. We talked a lot about it. The guys who were forced to play as JUCO players, whether it's Shaq Buchanan, 
uh, Bryce Jones, those guys uh, in the past that it took them a semester to really uh, to really grasp, you know, how to play at the D1 level. Well, that time is now for Brian Moore. So I think there's a chance for him to, to really do well in, in this matchup. And, and I would really love to see it to see it on Saturday. Also, I haven't told you guys this yet. This is news to you guys, but I'm hoping at halftime, maybe there can be uh, some big time noise made. I'm shooting the half court shot for charity this Saturday. So um, hopefully that can go down. I'm, I'm one for three lifetime. That's still $7,000 in charity money. So that's still pretty good. But my question to you guys is, once I hit it on Saturday, do I go? Do I run straight to campaign and the rest of the Phoenix Suns that are there and just go crazy and celebrating with them? What do I do? I think you be, need to be more concerned about Coach Prome running after you, trying to give you a scholarship if you hit it. Golly, we haven't seen too many long-range threes go in this year unless it's been Rob Perry or uh, Rod Thomas after the buzzer. But, man, I... 50% from the three point or from the half court strike. It's tough to beat. Sorry. We all know you will just run right past campaign and jump in Devin Booker's arms. And he was probably one of your favorite players ever at Kentucky. So uh, it's that's, that's going to be it. But yeah, no great point. They do play uh, the Suns play in Memphis on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. So great chance to uh, see some, which the Suns are struggling a little bit right now, but Great chance to see some of the Phoenix Suns probably at the game on Monday or Saturday. Sorry, that's a 3 p.m. T- 3 p.m. tip. But yes, I think you bypass Coach Prome, go straight to campaign, whoever he's sitting at. That that's going to be awesome. Cannot wait for you to hit that yet again. Uh, we've got the the famous video of you hitting it the first time during COVID, so you didn't get all the the relish of the fans and everybody going crazy. So uh, I think you know we always say. The guy hits the half-court shot at, at, at halftime or during the timeout. Uh, the home team never loses. So not saying Saturday rests solely on your shoulders, but you know maybe maybe one of our guys can give you can give us the code to the uh, practice gym and uh, you get some shots up maybe at the second media timeout or something like that. Bring it on. I prefer the pressure. I uh, love it. Back, uh, back to the game a little bit. I think you know you mentioned Brian Moore and. That's always been the cliche, like, oh, it just takes those JUCO guys one semester, right? And but hey, it, yet again, it kind of shows. And he he battled some illness and, and all that stuff, but you can really see him. Uh, he's one of probably two guys on the team, along with Quincy, that actually like takes the ball to the basket. And you see when that happens, good things typically happen for the racers. So, um, I you know they've been posting campaign highlights all all week and. What did Campaign do? He took the ball to the basket and could finish, but also find, you know, Justin Seymour on the wing or, or, you know, find somebody out there that could hit a shot, a Dexter Fields or whoever TJ sat. And of course, he was surrounded by shooters, which makes it a little bit easier, but um, he was able to get in the paint and make good things happen. But another guy that I want to see uh, keep it rolling, per se, is Jamari Smith. You know, you talked about how they give up sh- – you know, give up some stuff down low. And Jamari Smith finally had a, a really good game for him, 16 points against Northern Iowa. And first time in a long time we've seen Jamari Smith actually play like Jamari Smith. He's looking for a shot. The jump shot's so good, right? So smooth. But I think that was that was really positive to see. And hopefully we can see them see him 
keep progressing that and building off that because he's he's going to be an extremely important piece. You know, when, there and when it was six, seven minutes to go and we were up nine and I thought, man, this is going to be a really great win for the racers. And I was thinking, you know what I'm going to talk about on the podcast, right? And I was like, it's Jamari Smith. He had such an impact on that game last night when we were rolling and got up, um, you know, 70, 60 or 60 to 51 or whatever it was. I was like, he's going to be my player of the game. He's made an impact. And then uh, crap hit the fan uh, quickly. But uh, I think he's one guy that uh, we, we, Logan, we really need to see uh, keep making that impact for the racers. Yeah, for sure. We need to see more consistency out of Jamari and his running mate, DJ. I think, uh, you know, this lines out to be a good spot for DJ. Um, looking at UIC's stats as a team, they give up seven rebounds more than what they get each game. So they average 36.9 rebounds as a team, and their opponents average 43.9 against them, which is a pretty high number. You usually don't see that. Um, so DJ on the offensive glass is is going to be important. Last game. One thing that really frustrated me is we're chucking up bad shots, and it seemed like Justin Morgan's the only one going to the offensive glass. And if he tips the ball, no one else is there to grab it because everybody's just trotting back on defense. So I'd like to see DJ play with a little fire and and kind of get back to his Tulsa ways and owning the offensive glass this game. Guys, the last point I'm going to make, and and I've watched UIC a couple times and and watched them last night after our our game, but – one thing we can't let them do, and I think is going to be really important, is we can't let them hang around because they're they're not a team with great talent, but they're a team that is good en- enough. So a team like that, and I saw it in their eyes last night. They had belief. They thought like uh, they were hanging around with Drake, or they had Drake. They were up on Drake a lot of the games, and Drake came back and do what great teams like themselves do and take the lead. And they they had to make a tough shot as time was winding down to send it into overtime and and they did exactly that and you could see it they they knew they were like we are just as good as they are tonight but we've also seen UIC get down by 20 in the first half and just fold and so that's what we're going to have to do and we're good enough to do it we have the players to do it and hopefully we have the crowd Saturday with everything going on We've got NBA players in in the stands, and and Sawyer's going to hit the half court shot, so every everything's lining up. But if this is a game at the final media timeout that's fifty six to fifty two, fifty six to fifty nine to fifty six, like I'm not, I'm going to be a little worried because they're a team that's battle tested and and are are just good enough that they will hit that crazy three with like Illinois state did to send it into overtime or something like that. So got to come in, take control of the game like we did at Evansville, maybe not to that, that caliber. Right. But at least, at least put our foot on the gas early and not let up. I'm talking about putting our foot on the gas and not letting up. Let's, let's do that just with a guy who was so good at just, taking the the will out of teams and, and the guy we're going to celebrate on Saturday with with campaign and, and one thing we wanted to do and maybe a semi saw selection a little bit right but um let's talk about our favorite campaign moments at Murray State what you know he he's he was our first lottery pick right 
kind of really broke down a lot of barriers for for the Murray State basketball program. And and Logan, we'll start with you. I know yours is probably going to be that first game, right, where he he shot shot the ball 24, 25 times. Uh, I just remember, of course, we've had this a text exchange going, like we said when we started this podcast. We've we've been doing this forever, right? And I remember how furious you were after that first game you're like we got this freshman in he's taking 24 shots and like all i I will never forget that but uh that's not my favorite moment i know it's not going to be your favorite moment either yeah if i'm going to be quite honest i hated cam whenever he came here and he would make a lot of mistakes turn the ball over a lot trying to make plays and you could see that you know he may someday be able to and as uh, he grew into his own. I think after his first semester, he just blossomed, and it was like he became a new player, um, kind of grew into his body and really became our go-to guy as a freshman, which you hardly ever see. So uh, I don't necessarily have a favorite moment necessarily. I can't think back to like a specific play, and and this was – my favorite moment of campaign. I think, uh, I think back at his Murray state days, um, I wish our players would do it now, but after we score and go back down the court, just look at the opposing point guard and just act like you're breaking something in your hands and just saying, I'm breaking you. I loved when Cam did that. That was, that was the best. Um, and he would all, he would always do it. Um, he, he got so good his sophomore year that, you knew when the ball was in his hands that something good was going to happen, and he was just better than anyone else on the court. Um, especially in the OVC, there's nothing that anybody could do to stop him. And if Trey Freeman doesn't hit that crazy three at the end at Old Dominion, Cam's leading us to the NIT Final Four in Madison Square Garden. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about his time at Murray State, and right when they announced it, he was getting his number retired and um, people, some people were saying he shouldn't because he didn't make an NCAA tournament. And some were saying he should Um, for me, Cam, he came here, gave it his all for two years. And he is one of the top five basketball players to ever come through Murray state. So um, he represented us well and, and has still stayed in touch and in love with Murray state. So, uh, I'm all for it, and I, I'm glad to see number one go up in the rafters. Uh, but one more thing before I get off my soapbox. Um, I think my favorite thing about Cam, and this is going to be a little uh, sappy, but it's how much he's liked by his teammates and his journey in the NBA. You think back to when he got his number retired and uh, for his high school team, a lot of the Oklahoma City Thunder team showed up. He was always a popular guy on that team. Um, and then, you know, he really was laughed out of the league. Uh, spent some time in Philadelphia, I believe, and uh, Chicago, and just really couldn't find his footing. And everybody knew him as the guy that would just dance with Russell Westbrook. But he got hurt, and for most guys going through that, it would probably be the end of their career, especially in the NBA. And I commend him for fighting back and really earning a spot with the Suns. It was the perfect fit for him, and he has really flourished, 
flourished since being on that team. And so I think it's really cool that things are coming full circle. He's, uh, you know, back to playing great basketball, a great role player for the Suns, and they're coming to uh, to support him Saturday when he gets his number retired. That's really, really good, Logan. Uh, you know, you, Cam will always be known for, for the breaking. Uh, Jaw's always going to be known for either the guitar or rocking the baby, right? So it's cool that uh, that those guys are kind of always known for, for something, right? And everybody's going to remember that a little bit. Not just their play, but I guess one moment for for me that kind of really cemented him. You know that we had such a great year that second year, winning 20. At this point, that I'm going to talk about winning 24 in a row, and it started off kind of you know how racer teams have in the past. We'd come off the CIT, we'd come off a big uh, postseason, and got a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people coming back and a lot of expectations and. And that year did not start out great, kind of like we'd already talked about a little bit this year. With we were four and four, I believe. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and took one of our worst losses to to Valparaiso, right, in that Music City <laughs> Invitational. And funny enough, the first game of that 25 game win streak was against Drake, uh, which is uh, kind of talking about full circle, right? But um, winning 24 in a row, and then we're in the OVC semifinals. And Municipal Auditorium is just a dump, right? And playing a Moorhead State team, a tough Moorhead State team, right? And it's it's a back and forth the whole game. And there is a minute, a minute four left. The racers are down 77 to 75. I'll remember Cameron Payne gets the inbounds pass after a made, uh, made layup, just dribbles down 25 feet, spots up. Boom. Drains the three, 78-77, a game he had 25 points in. Then TJ Sapp ends up making two free throws to seal it, 80-77 for the Racers. But that to me, like that shot right there, uh, we the guys like Isaiah, you know, we had Isaiah, we had Cam, just guys that would come down the floor and like didn't matter. As soon as they like started spotting up, you're like, Man, this is this is going in. You had so much confidence and trust in them, and and to me that play right there was so huge um, to really submit. Like you know, this is this is me. This is this is campaign right here, and uh, that that was an awesome moment. We were all I I just remember being there and seeing it in person, and now seeing some of the videos takes you back, right? And uh, just a really really cool moment in, in Murray State, and. Uh, Glad that was the last time I ever went to Municipal Auditorium as well, Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, those are so much, so many fun memories, and and I and I love all of them. I think that uh, you know, campaign came to Murray State at such an influential point in racer basketball. You know, we just had our all first All American in a long time, Isaiah Cannon, and and you know the cupboard is completely bare you know we'd be having the same conversation that we have we're having right now back then if, if campaign wasn't there and and he came in as a freshman and he owned it and he he chose to be the guy and he chose to be uh the leader um with within a team that had you know jonathan farrell and, and jonathan er, i'm sorry yeah jonathan farrell and jarvis williams and and jeff moss you know a tremendous leader in, in his own right and and he came in the same same day as Justin Seymour and 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 TJ Sapp and so uh, you know he he chose he chose to put that on himself and and it made it he made it 
he made himself better because of it. And and he, he also came into college basketball when the game of bas- game of college basketball was transitioning. It was more free flowing. I went back and watched a lot of his film over the past few weeks, just uh, the sentimental guy that I am. And and how many times do you see him walking into those threes, Austin, like you're talking about? Like he and he just nailed. It seems like every single one of them. And and just really at that moment, you know, where and I love so many of these memories, like where he throws the half court lob at Jacksonville State to Jarvis Williams for the dunk that was ESPN top 10 play. And and he 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 was a, a an influential piece. He, if social media would have been bigger back then, he would have been just like, you know, kind of how Jaw is celebrated now. And and he he. He was so electric, and he was the most hated player in the Ohio Valley Conference, and everybody hated him. And I love that we finally had a guy like that that everybody just universally hated because he would do the breaking your, breaking the bones thing. And and it was at a time when when racer basketball was pretty much at its apex. I mean, those I know we we would talk. It was just like man, we have never had more fun watching our racers than than what we are having right now. And and he was the, he was the driving force behind all of that. To me, my favorite memory, my favorite memories with Cam. Are, are off the court um probably those late nights hanging out at the fraternity house on the back of a tailgate just talking you know not even you know if there's a party going on we're not even a part of that we're actually just having real life conversations and austin and, and logan and our buddy alex were all part of those conversations and and those were things that i'll remember and but the 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 highlight that i remember from from the games i think i i remember the most is we're playing eastern kentucky his his sophomore season the year after they knock us out of the OBC tournament, I hated them so much back then. And we're down at the half. We tie it back up with some big-time threes by uh, by by Cam in the end of the second half. Going to overtime, tie 70-70. to We come down, go up 72-70. You guys remember the guy by the name of Eric Stutz from EKU? He was the ponytail guy they had before oh, Nick Mayo. Gross. <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring him up, but he gets a pass underneath. And Cam comes out of nowhere, six foot two Cam, and pins it on the backboard to start overtime. And at that point, the place was rocking. It was deafening. The game was over. And he came down. He scored, I think, 20 points between second half and overtime and just took over that game. And that's really when you started hearing like the draft buzz start talking with Cam with Cam a little bit. It was just after that game. It was on ESPNU. And I think that was that was the moment for me where I'm just like. I, had, I was having so much fun in that moment that I look back on and hold so fondly. Of course, Austin, those major threes against Moorhead. Uh, he had some crazy shots against Belmont in a game that didn't go the way we wanted. And and how about taking over all those NIT games? But I think for me, that one's one I look back on I'm just, and I just remember so fondly. Um, so uh, Cam is, is a guy who, unfortunately, got pinned between two tremendous – uh, most loved players of all time in, in, in racer athletics. And and <clears throat> unfortunately, the, the route he took in his NBA career kind of took him off the map for a moment. Um, and so I'm so glad, Logan, like you mentioned, that he, he truly has a, a Hollywood story that I hope he gets his story told at some point. But the best part about it is right now is a part of his story, and his story is not over yet. So um, excited for Cam. I hope he – I know he will get a tremendous ovation on Saturday night, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. I really do hope the fans show out on Saturday and they're they're making it easy as easy as possible. I think they're doing the zero through college uh, free thing again, um, which is uh, really good to take advantage of for, for kids. Um, if you've got the kiddos coming with you, 
I know I had a buddy from Owensboro text me today and said, hey, I'm bringing the family down Saturday. I'm really excited. He was in college the same time we were really excited to see Cam and, and everything. So that that's going to be awesome. And, uh, um, you know, sorry, you mentioned some of those some of those old games and like the bank rock and what and maybe I'm just the only racer fan that does this. I know I'm not because you're you're one of them, too. But like one of the greatest things is is the Murray State Athletics YouTube channel. And they have all those old, like around Cam's time, kind of end of Isaiah, into campaign is like when they started doing the the game highlights, and they're all posted, and and you can go back and watch them. So I might after we wrap up recording have to go back and watch that Eastern Kentucky one that that you're talking about. But um, you know you've got they, they they feed in the crowd noise so well, and you've got. Neil, the Hall of Famer Neil Bradley doing it. You've got Kenny on the commentary talking about John. Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer Kenny Roth as well. Uh, <laughs> you've got him talking about the big defensive tackle, Jonathan Farrell, and and everybody. That it's so I don't know. That's just so fun. And I think, you know, we we talked about how they're not doing the TV anymore. I think that's one thing that kind of makes me sad because in uh, you know, eight to ten years when we go back and look now. It's not going to be Kenny and Neil doing the uh, doing the highlights. So I think maybe that's one another reason I forgot to mention earlier. It's like the nostalgia of like going back and watching all those highlights. And it's uh, you know Neil Bradley four three. It's so I, it's so fun. I wouldn't even try to you know replicate it. But see more for three more. Like it, that's great calls. I get chills every time that in any game that you hear Neil Bradley at a crucial moment, he knows when to pull it out. You can pull it out <laughs> at certain times, but he knows when to pull it out. And the racers take the lead. Yeah. It, just, it just sends a shiver down my spine every time. So, uh, yeah, Austin, like you said, I mean, it's just, it's not just – it's the fact that, that, you're, that you're in the arena. You can kind of feel those old memories. And then you pair that with the tremendous calls. I mean, that's what that's what makes it what it is. And, and that's what makes racer basketball what it is. And, and those are the, the those are those critical moments that – uh, you know, like you, us three, that's where we really built, you know, who we are as racer fans. You know, this podcast would not exist if we didn't have those two years with Cam. So um, and those are the moments that I'm, I look forward to sharing now with, with my daughters. And, and that's what makes this thing special here in Murray, Kentucky. So it's so awesome. We get to relive those. And I hope on Saturday is just a true celebration of of a lot of those that happened over that two year stretch. Very well said. Sorry. Very well said. So enough talking about the past. Let's talk some more about the future. Big game on Tuesday night, January 17th, another nationally televised game, CBS Sports Network, a late tip, 8 p.m., down at the Curb Center, going to take on the Belmont Bruins, guys. In years past, we would have a whole show dedicated to Belmont, but now that it's the Missouri Valley, it's not the the huge, it still should be, but it's not the huge buildup of Whoever wins this game is going to win the OVC. It's like whoever wins this game is going to be like fifth place in the Missouri Valley now, right? So maybe not uh, as uh, maybe not as less as illustrious. Sorry, thank you. Give me a second. Got to pull the dictionary out. Illustrious as it is in years past. I still didn't get it right. I see Logan, you're smiling at me, but whatever. I don't care. Belmont. I didn't go to Belmont. That's why my vocabulary is not great. But anyways, guys, please. Take this away from me so I can stop talking. Yeah, Austin, absolutely. And this is one we should be fired up about. However, I am – maybe I shouldn't go first here because I am very, very worried about this game. Um, 
Belmont has we all know what Ben Shepard can do. He's a tremendous talent. Last year, um, he was pretty much all they had uh, that was contributing um, in a team that had the seniors in, in, in Grayson Murphy and Nick Musinski. How quickly we forget um, because of how you know poorly they played their senior season. And but what they brought in are, are some guys that I think can cause a lot of problems for the racers because of how hard they play. Uh, they've got some freshmen um, that that they're not lighting it up on the uh, as far as the box score is concerned, but but Kay Tyson and Drew Freiberg are, are are two guys that you just hate playing against in college in, in in any kind of basketball game because they just play so hard all the time and it's just so annoying how hard they play and they may not be the most skilled guys but they just play so hard and with an edge that and they never stop they've got a motor. Um, that, that never stops, and those are those type of guys you just hate going against, um, and, and they, that's just kind of how they're built. So I think that it, it, those are the type of teams that we struggle against this year. I think that Belmont is just a much better version of, of you and I uh, when they get things rolling, and you know we just saw what happened against you and I. So I am a little concerned about this one. However, I do think this is one that, of course, we're going to be up for. Um, as, as Jacoby Wood put on social media many months ago, he's had this one circled on his calendar for months. So um, I would hope that he comes out and, and plays a tremendous game. But we know the story from Belmont. They're eighth in the country in three-point percentage. They can light it up from behind the arc. They don't rebound the ball very well. Um, they're on paper, you know, the numbers speak for themselves, but – but last year we were able to really out athleticize them and it made all the difference. So can we do that again? I would hope so. Um, but what's the story on Belmont from years in and years out to beat them? You have to be either great athletically or to have to be sound fundamentally. We're still making a lot of fundamental mistakes on the defensive end. So I, I, I feel like this one is going to be a tough one for us, but uh, I would hope I would love for you guys to change my mind. Quick note. Did you know Karan Johnson was on their director of basketball operations? Oh, yeah. Interesting. All right. Go ahead, Logan. Yeah, I I think Sawyer broke it down really well. Like he said, they're eighth nationally out of 363 teams um, in three-point shooting percentage, and that is not a small sample size. They take a lot of threes, as they always do. They average around 10 a game is how many they make. Um, but – I think, Sawyer, you brought up a good point. Last year, I remember we talked a lot about how we couldn't wait to see Trey Hannibal get on the low post and just body Grayson Murphy. And we definitely don't have um, don't have the horses, uh, for lack of a better term, that uh, we had last year. But um, I think we gave ourselves a good blueprint for how to beat Belmont. And, yeah, they do have guys that play hard. But if you get out there and you punk them, they don't want any part of it. And so I think this is a game, um, hopefully Saturday our team gets fired up with the whole uh, jersey retirement thing. And um, I, I think we'll have a pretty decent crowd as well. And they'll feed off of playing really hard. And hopefully that translates to Tuesday night because I think if we, if we pressure them and play like, you know, play like Quincy did, uh, the last three minutes of the P game, play like DJ did in the Tulsa game. I just don't think that Belmont is has the stones really to 
to man up and and fight back. So, um, but that's contingent on us playing uh, a brand of basketball that we haven't seen in months. So, um, not necessarily counting on that. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a tough tough game and a pretty rough matchup for us. But um, the path to victory is there. It's just up to our guys as to whether they want to uh, go out there and get it done or not. Now, I will say uh, Casey Alexander's done a really good job of, of bringing in some really impactful freshmen uh, that, that's done a good job. Jacoby Gillespie uh, and and Kate Tyson have, have really made a difference for them this year. But a uh, couple areas that, that I could see them can see them struggling is uh, really as Ben Shepard goes, they go right. And, um, you know, Logan, you, you've mentioned is, you know, we haven't done a great job this year at stopping the opponent's best player. Uh, ben Cricky had 30 or whatever. I know we keep talking about him, but even la- last night, you know, uh, the kid from you and I, I had 25 or whatever it was. Yeah, let's let's uh, forget yeah. last night. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's just another uh, another feather in the cap of uh, to of your point, right? And so we can't let Ben Shepard go and drop 30 on us because they will win the game, especially <laughs> especially at home. And so we've got to really, like you said, take that to heart and step up. But but then again, you know, who's their starting big man? And that's a guy by the name of Evan Bronze. And uh, yeah, exactly. Not not the most impressive big guy in the Missouri Valley. So if you've got got a opportunity there to like we did last year, KJ absolutely dominated Musinski. Not saying we need DJ and and Jamar to go out there and dominate, but this is a game where again we keep asking and saying for, it, but let's let our forwards actually make a difference in a game and, and set the tone early and, and go in there and, and get some easy inside buckets. But um, I, I just hope it's, you know, the only kind of sample that we've had with, with a Belmont offense type offense that takes a lot of threes and has a lot of movement was December against Bellarmine. And that had did not really go well for us to say the least. So hopefully, you know, they don't do it to the degree like they used to with Rick Bird and kind of how Bellerman does it now. Casey Alexander's changed it up a little bit, but they still, I guarantee you one team next Tuesday is going to be moving without the ball and uh, Belmont's going to do a lot of that, but just got to stay really disciplined and Sawyer, like you said, hopefully um, Jacoby can back up his tweet from, uh, from earlier this year or last year. One thing to mention of their top guys, uh, Ben Shepard shooting 57% from the free throw line, um, and their two other freshmen shooting uh, in the low in the mid 60s. So, uh, if it gets tight, that could be a potential area where the Racers might be able to capitalize. But that's just uh, sometimes just those things just jump out at you when you're looking at the stats. And that was one for me that uh, you know he's shooting 41% from three. Yeah, 57% from the free throw line. That was that was a little surprising. So maybe that's something the racers can take advantage of um, next Tuesday night. There you go, Logan. I know you uh, you love to see that the, the low f- free throw percentage from the opponents. But one thing I will um, last thing I'll mention about Belmont, Belmont. Like I always say, every time we play them for the last 20 years or 14, 10 years, however long they we've been playing them, is can we f- eventually find a way to get Tyler Holloway back? 
on the Murray State coaching staff. I know he probably loves it in Nashville, but man, he was one of my favorite racers as a kid, grow you know, of, uh, growing up, and it just pains me to always see him across in in, in the red and blue. And ah, uh, guys, I hope one of these days somehow we can pull him back. But uh, I, I gotta mention that every time we we uh, we play Belmont, so. All right, Logan. We we've given you some time to to rack your brain. Let's let's hear what you've come up with for this edition of Logan's Listener of the Week. Yeah, I've given this one a lot of thought over the last thirty minutes, and I think I've found somebody that that's really deserving. Um, somebody that has made it big in the sports media world, and uh, you know, I, I've had people in the past. Uh, John Morant, for example, um, when they made it big, they unfollowed me on Twitter. He unfollowed me on Twitter, and uh, you know it, it's hurtful to get left behind like that. But um, this listener hasn't done that. He hasn't let the fame get to him, and he has been a listener from uh, day one and, and continues to, and we really appreciate it. And that is Stephen Peak. <laughs> Stephen's a big listener. He uh, he actually works for KSR doing Kentucky sports radio. So I'm sure his life's really fun right now. Um, but he, uh, he reached out to Sawyer and said he listens and, uh, you know, I think they're, they're building him up at KSR and he's getting more responsibilities there. So, um, the fact that he still finds time to keep up with Murray state and, and listen to us three goobers, uh, each week or whenever we decide to record is, is pretty cool. So, uh, thank you, Stephen. I haven't met you yet, but hopefully we'll have you down for one of these games here soon. Uh, maybe your number will get retired and we can we can uh, break bread and have a beer or something. Congrats, Stephen. Uh, it's 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 crazy how uh, in years past the way that the racers play and the way the Wildcats play kind of kind of correlate. In our best years, seems like Kentucky has a great year. Uh, so I know that. Uh, all of the Commonwealth is really hurting right now, especially up there in Lexington. So uh, we, we feel your pain down here in Murray, and uh, hopefully things can can get better uh, for both of us. But, but like you said, uh, Logan, we'd love to to be able to, to take him out if he comes down here for a game and treat him upright. Um, appreciate you listening in, and it's always good to have uh, fans from all over, uh, whether it be the state or the nation, or as we can see from our analytics on the podcast, the world um, listening in. Um, to us in this podcast it just shows the landscape of of racer nation and it really truly shows like you mentioned logan that we take this very seriously uh in in all enjoy um but we have too much joy to let joy slip away from us um so that's why we have to be tough sometimes um and tonight was one of those nights but uh excited and congratulations Stephen. congratulations to you Stephen. what what an honor to be logan's listener of the week uh an award that hasn't been given out in a few weeks so you you're the one to get us back on track hopefully that gets this podcast back on track that gets the racers back on track and we can have happier days ahead we we don't want to be downers but you know we, we've got to address the issues and, and talk about it and 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 find ways to solve it right and you know obviously the the coaching staff puts puts great stock into what we say so um, hopefully we've given some uh, some ideas on this episode to go forward to to get the racers back in the win column, and uh, I think we've got a great opportunity to do it over the next week. And 
you know, the racer women's have already kicked it off with a big win tonight against Belmont. So they've already knocked off Belmont. It's time for the racer men to follow suit and knock off Belmont this coming Tuesday. First, we cannot forget Saturday, like we mentioned, get out, celebrate campaign. If you were ever there in the 2014, 2015 timeframe and saw Cam play, you know, you're going to want to be back in the bank to see, uh, to welcome him back. And like we said, who knows, he may have a couple special guests with him there. We got to watch Sawyer knock down the half court shot. So good luck to you, sir. And uh, yeah, happier days ahead for Racer Nation. So to get us back going, Sawyer, let's give and Logan, let's, let's, let's send them off with the best send off of the year. Whew. Let's do it. Go racers. Go racers. Go race.